In this episode, we interview Tyler Meesom. He is one of the co-hosts of the podcast called Was I in a Cult? And you I like the way you it. did that. I know you got to say it. Your like face that. was kind of perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I had a little shrug going and everything. This is audio, not video. That's what mm. that's what Mary would have told me. I forget. I, yeah. I forget. <laughs> it's an audio visual experience for me personally. Maybe mm-hmm. not for everybody else. But okay. Anyway, in this episode, what <laughs> was I in a cult? <laughs> <laughs> Shelly's been asking herself that this entire time. No, she's already Pretty answered sure it was. that question. Yeah, answered that question, and then we started a podcast about it. Yeah, we sure did. Well. Tyler and his co-host Liz ask that question every week on their podcast whenever they release it. I'm not actually sure if it's weekly, but I guess we're going to find out a lot more about his podcast right after this message. All right. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know the new customers who bet $5 get $150 back in bonus bets? Woo-hoo. We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $150 back in bonus bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter Day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. My name's Mary. I'm Shelly. And Shelly, we have a special guest today. Do we? Yeah, Tyler Meesum from the podcast called Was I in a Cult? Did I say that correctly, Tyler, with the right inflection? Well, there is a question mark at the end of it. Okay. So, yes, you added the question to it, the lilt at the end. Yeah, I tried to give it a lot of like, I don't know, enthusiasm, I, th- I think. It was lilty. I was liked it? it. It was lilty. Yeah. You know, one of our early in- incarnations of the logo had an intro bang. Do you know what an intro bang is? I don't. Oh, you should find out an intro bang. Sounds sexual. <laughs> an intro bang is an actual, uh, it's a question mark and an exclamation mark in one. Oh, oh, shit. Because sometimes things need a little bit of questioning, but they also need to be said with some exclamation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Is it all in one? An enterobang. That's what it is. Enterobang. Yeah, it's all in one. Look it up. An enterobang. Well, I'm going to start sketching out enterobangs for the next hour. You guys go ahead and wow. talk. I have been wasting so much time just going question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation, like on everything. This is life-changing. You know, enterobang <laughs> your way through things. Wow. Through life. Which could also be a, a dirty double entendre. You know, we have a clean show. Thank we have you. a clean show here, Tyler. That Come is on. so sure much do. bullshit. Sure you do. <laughs> Fuck that. So sure is this God. thing, what, Interabang? Is that what? Interobang. Interobang. Yeah. Okay. Start spreading the word. We need more Interobangs. Remember that thing we learned in elementary school, maybe it was middle school, that upside down kind of AE thing? It was like an AE combo, or maybe there was an upside down E called a schwa. I want to say it was called a schwa. How old are you? Do you remember this thing? No, <laughs> I don't, don't know the schwa. No. <laughs> this was back when it was like the stylus and the slate. hammer. And we you, wrote on you, slate. You, you, <laughs> age joke. <laughs> Ageism. Uh, I like it. Never out of style. 
So, Tyler, you are such a badass because you have a podcast on iHeartRadio. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know if that makes me a badass. You know, there are many things I think make me a badass. But yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, that's not only what I've done is just my podcast. Oh, I looked you up. You know, especially in the Mormon world. Did you? Yeah, did. I did. You, did you go deep? Yeah, I sure did. The good stuff's on the dark web, though. You really have to d- go deep. <laughs> I, haven't, deep I haven't investigated you there. And you have to search for Johnny Anaconda. That's where you'll really find me on the dark web. His Anaconda don't we want kept, we kept We kept uh, searching for Mamba. I think that was our problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, right. cool. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, that is my podcast, but, you know, I've done other things, of course, and we can talk about those stupid little movies and documentaries, but I, how it happened, we came up with a concept called Was I in a Cult? It's a documentary-style podcast that features people who were in and consequently left cults. So we pitched it to iHeart, and they said yes. That's awesome. That's amazing. I, I, I mean, it, it helped that I knew somebody at iHeart who was very high up in the iHeart chain because I had mm-hmm. made a documentary called Was I MTV? And one of the guys who was the head of iHeart is the, one of the guys who started MTV. Oh, That's wow. Cool. And I put him in the film. And then I reached out to him and I said, hey, I've got this podcast. And he introduced me to somebody. But it's done very well. Yeah. I mean, it helps to know people. But it's a good story, a good, a good podcast, a good subject. And uh, it's done very well so far for us, I think, and for iHeart. We listened to some of the episodes this morning where you interviewed the one who broke free of the uh, FLDS, kind of. Oh, yeah. The Mormon one. It wasn't Warren Jeffs. It was a different one. But but yeah, I love the style of the documentary style. So it's like the lady who broke free is talking and then you guys kind of comment. It's basically a scripted show. Around of sorts, an interview. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I love, I love the style, and the Thanks. whole time I was yelling because you know I relate to that stuff. And when you said the thing about uh, when you die, uh, you go to the celestial kingdom, and the men get their own planets. Right. So many people are like, "That's not true. You were never taught that." Boom. There was the proof. Absolutely true. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's absolutely true. And they're trying to step back. The church is trying to step back from that, that you don't get your own planet, but it's still there. They've taught that for a hundred years. Yeah. You get your own planet. I don't want my own planet. I can't even clean my fucking house. Right. What am I going to do with a planet, right. for goodness sake? You sakes? should see inside my car. It's a shit show. Why Why would I? <laughs> right. I don't want to live in your planet. It's, a, it's already sex. a red giant happening in there. <laughs> um, maybe we should back up a little and explain that Tyler also left Mormonism. Or, oh, sorry, the LDS faith. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Say Mormonism. Yeah. I don't have time for shit like <laughs> no. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Let's just say Mormons. Uh-huh. It sounds better. When did you get out? Well, I went on a mission. I was I was raised in Utah. Big-ass Mormon family. Wow. Believed it. Went on a Mormon mission to Missouri Independence. Spent a lot of time in Kansas and Nebraska on my mission. And then I came out <gasps> home. Yeah, I know. It's fun. <laughs> well, we Missouri. Like Missouri's what? a promised land. You should have stayed there. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> I should have stayed there, but I didn't want to stay there. No, I was mostly in Kansas and Nebraska. Ah. But uh yeah, that was a lot of church history in Independence, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh we did go visit Adam on Diamond, which is where the Garden of Eden yes. is. Well, yes. Supposedly. And it's 
it's just a big empty field <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. With a plaque. Yeah, she had a kid that broke a sprinkler in Adam on Diamond. Yeah, because my parents dragged me there when I was a kid, and I used to be super Mormon. Of course, I had to drag my kids there. Of course. But when I was there, my brother, it was actually my brother, he was throwing rocks, and he threw a rock and it hit a sprinkler head in Adam on Diamond slash the Garden of Eden. It busted and it flooded like an entire lower part of it. I think that's fucking amazing. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. You're not going to go back to Adam on Diamond when Jesus comes. Because yeah. that's supposedly where Christ is going to come back. Yeah, we have an entire episode about that because it's so damn ridiculous. We laugh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. By the way, and I, this occurred to me the other day. I was like, if, if, and I'm a little confused by the whole thing, because if Adam and Eve, if that was where Adam and Eve were, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If that's where they started, then why did people need to come to America? Why did the Mormons teach that Lehi and his family had to come to the Americas. We we don't question. Yeah. Well, uh, also, I think there's two different schools of thought. Like, Shelley was under the impression that they moved there. They got kicked out of the regular Garden of Eden in the Middle East somewhere and ended up in Missouri. No, I didn't know they were in the Middle East. That? No, I didn't think at all. <laughs> I just went along <laughs> right. with that shit. Follow and the, by the prophet. Way, why follow we, the prophet. Why are we trying to make sense of nonsense, by the way? I love how Mary and I will get into arguments about Mormon stuff, and they were like, whoa, whoa, right. why are we arguing? This is all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right. No, Santa Claus goes down the chimney right. feet first. What are you talking <laughs> right, about? Right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> the Easter Bunny carries the basket in his hands. Yeah. Well, he can't carry it in his hands because he's got teeth. Right. He carries yeah. it in his teeth. Yeah. That's the argument you're That's having. absolutely mm-hmm. what it is. And Mary yeah. was never even Mormon. She just hangs out with me so much, then she tries to defend shit. I've picked shit. up a lot of this shit, as it turns out. Yeah, so, so, yeah sorry well, about pick that. pick it up and set it back down would uh, be my right. suggestion to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was raised evangelical pretty hardcore, so I think that counts. It's its own brand of crazy. pretty cultish. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. So I guess uh, back to that, I, I went on a mission. I came home. I tried to live it for a while. And then uh, I just started reading too much. I started researching. Uh-oh. I started looking back into the history of Mormonism. And I think the thing that really broke it for me was uh, I was reading a book called Leaving the Saints by Martha Beck. Mm. And she talks about uh, the Book of Abraham. <laughs> and she told the story of the Book of Abraham. And that was found in 1976 and translated not to be scripture, but instead was found out to just be a funeral text. Yep. And I mean, I still remember it just like my whole stomach when I read that. My whole stomach got sick and I thought, I've wasted my life. (laughs) I've wasted my life and I have converted people to this religion that is just not true. And everything changed at that moment. Yeah, yeah. How old were you when that happened? I was in my mid-twenties, mm. so a couple of years. Uh, oh, you're right. I'm, I'm winking. Uh, yeah. I'm winking. Uh-huh. I just let that go because your you hair know, is you long You know, you look very youthful. You look very youthful. This is not a great connection. So I think um, he looks very handsome. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that he wasn't handsome. Coming from a lesbian, that, that's a pretty big <laughs> compliment. I mean. I just turned 50. So. Oh, shit. You're Way crushing to go. it. Good for you. Yeah, that's Good clean living right there. <laughs> Is it now? <laughs> <laughs> it's moisturizing. I moisturize. I'm going to assume that's past middle age because who the fuck wants to live to 100? Not not this I one. I do. Do you? I do. I oh, yeah. Wow. I am going to live. I'm going to live for a while. Okay. And complain every day <laughs> Hell about yeah. my hip yeah. and my feet. And Throw in a couple. My... Back in my day. Uh-huh. That's what's, always what's, fun. That's what's this <laughs> fungus? Yeah. So you and... kids, get off my lawn. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, that's right. I'm gonna... If I can't torment my children like they're tormenting me now, yeah. when I'm 
my centurion, mm-hmm. then it's not worth it. I need a good 20 years to make my kids cringe and be embarrassed by me. And then I got the grandkids. Oh, yeah. The grandkids would be like, grandma keeps trying to kiss me and her breath stinks. Like, I'm all about that. <laughs> it's it's so going to go down. Assuming that some of your kids <laughs> I've will got, procreate. I've got seven to. kids. Someone. Someone will procreate Someone in there. will procreate. So, uh, Tyler, were you married in the temple the whole? No, I never. No. I've never been married. Actually, I've just shacked up. Good choice. Yeah. So no, once that, once that, once I left, you know, the funny thing about being raised as a Mormon, and, and probably most of your listeners know this, so I'm just preaching to the choir, uh, rehashing what they know. But you're taught to evangelize. Mm. You're taught to say and speak how you feel, and 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 get out of your comfort zone, and really say the things that mean a lot to you. And so when I left the faith, a lot of those same teachings came with me. So I've kind of, in some ways, made it a a bit of my life's mission to uh, tell stories and to make stories about belief. So I I made a documentary called Sons of Perdition, which uh, the the film was about kids who were kicked out of polygamy, Warren Jeff's FLDS group. And we followed three boys who were kicked out of Warren Jeff's FLDS group, as you might know a little bit about it. Absolutely, yeah. These kids have no access to the outside world. They have no knowledge. They have no schooling. They can't watch TV. They can't read books. And then one day they're just kicked out. Mm -hmm. And we followed three boys for two and a half years and kind of watched them grow up in a world they knew nothing about. And it was in my, in many ways, my story and my partner at the time, Jenny Lynn Merton, it was our story writ large, because it's not just leaving the community and leaving the faith. It's how do you leave that in your mind? How do you, how do you leave the thing that you knew was to be true and rationalize going to hell? So we told that story. It did very well. Oprah bought it and made it part of her documentary club. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And that was just one of the many films I've made that have kind of uh, deal with belief mm-hmm. and why we believe certain things. That was the first one. That's awesome. Fantastic. So uh, did you go to film school? I didn't. No? How'd you get into that? I always was interested in films. And, you know, for a kid from Pleasant Grove, Utah, who, you know, raised in a Mormon family— to be interested in film was not something that my parents understood. Mm-mm. But I just tried like hell to do it. I read every book I could. I watched every movie I could over and over. I found one guy who was doing it in Utah County at the time, and I uh, started working for him. And then I made a short film, and then I made commercials, and and I kept doing it. So I went to Utah Valley University for a little bit, but I didn't really study film. Did you ever go to the LDS Film Festival? I did. I went to the inaugural. Oh, I had a shit. film in that. The very, very first one. I had a short film in it. I was an executive producer, embarrassingly enough, on a Mormon film that my sister-in-law did called Errand of Angels. Oh, wow. I haven't seen that. I'm still embarrassed that on the, all the, you know, the DVDs that were never sold, my name's on it. Yeah. Basically, she's just out a whole lot of money. <laughs> Basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best. What's the best way to be make a million dollars? Yeah. <laughs> be a billionaire and invest in film. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, something like that. I might that's have watched funny. that. No, I get it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was. I did the LDS Film Festival, mm-hmm. and then they asked me back a while ago, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Do you really me? want like, me? There is no way my films are going to represent in your no. festival. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Well, I'd go." Would you? Oh, hell yeah. Just we, tailgate we would, in the parking lot. We would mm-hmm. gather all of our Utah listeners, and there's a significant amount, and we would just go there probably shit-faced, maybe a little bit high, and uh, get their <laughs> mediocre popcorn and watch the hell out of your documentaries. Well, thanks, but my documentaries will never play oh, okay. there. Okay, all right. Well, never mind. 
Thanks. Good idea, though. <laughs> no. Yes, he's too good for the, for the LDS Thanks. Film Festival. <laughs> I was all ready to stay here and babysit the dogs while she went and did that. So, Well, mm. none of this has to happen now, so that's good. <laughs> Carry on. Right. You know, my films have played at unbelievable festivals. I'm patting myself on the back. But I've, I've probably played with my films over 100-something festivals over the last few years all over the world. That's so cool. Really great, really cool places. And it, it was, you know, early my mentor taught me, he said, if you want to see the world, make a movie. Ooh. Make a movie and, and see the world. Wow. And I have. I have been very fortunate to be able to travel in unbelievable places and be treated very well showing my films. And that's been very nice. What are some of the names of your films? We'd love for our listeners to um, start watching. Well, I made another film. Uh, that After that, I made a film called An Honest Liar, okay. which is also about belief. And it's, uh, it, it's about a guy named James the Amazing Randy. And James the Amazing Randy was a world-famous magician and escape artist. And then he retired and became the foremost debunker of paranormal claims. Oh. So he essentially went after spoonbenders and faith healers and psychics mm-hmm. and people who were using the tricks of illusion not to entertain, but to deceive. Mm-hmm. He, of course, had a deception at the heart of his life that happened to come out while we were making the movie. Mm. So that film also uh, premiered at Tribeca and played all over the place. I, I love, love, love that movie. And then I made a film called I Want My MTV, which isn't about belief. Mm-hmm. It's about music on television and featured a ton of badass rock stars. I got to interview and hang out with everyone from Brett Michaels to Billy Idol to Sting to Pat Benatar, you name it. It was amazing. How cool. And then my last film, which probably all of your listeners saw, and if they didn't, then they just should right now. And that was a Netflix series called Murder Among the Mormons. Yes. Um, which was about the you know, Mark Hoffman mm-hmm. in the 80s, mm-hmm. a series of pipe bombs that occurred in the great state of Utah. Oh, yeah. Most of our listeners, I think, would be very familiar. Yeah, we talked, even talked about, about that it for on, sure. the, on the podcast. What an amazing, mm-hmm. wacky, Mormon-type <laughs> story, really. Unbelievable story. And, and not just because of the Mormonism. I mean, that's the setting in which Mark Hoffman was able to play. Mm-hmm. But the bombs and the... Well, I'm just going to say it because... Do it. People are probably... Listen, but the forgeries. Yep. You know, the deception within it. Mm-hmm. And also the backstory of Mormonism, Mm -hmm. which we touch on just a bit in the series. Why do you think, and I mean, this goes for a lot of religions, that Mormonism can, I'm not going to say there's a tendency to, but it can breed a lot of deception among its members to therefore go on and do like really wacky shit, really bad shit. What, what do you think is behind that? Behind the deception of the Mormon faith? Or just learning that that's okay somehow. Yeah, people within the Mormon faith that tend to go down this road yeah. of being deceptive. I think there's just something about being able to disassociate yourself with the truth, mm. to not looking too closely. I mean, we live in it in this world today. Mm-hmm. We have at our fingertips every ounce of truth, literally at our fingertips, everything we'd want to know every ounce of truth, and yet there's more deception and there's more people blindly following false facts Mm -hmm. than ever. And so I think it's easy for us to disassociate yourself by not looking intently and with hope of finding the truth. And I think um, because the LDS people have for so long been taught to not look at what other people are saying, not look at the anti-stuff, not read any outside materials, they tend to stay within their own little class world. Yeah. 
And there's also this drive to always look perfect. Even if you've got to lie to uphold that image, you're willing to do it. Her dad does it all the time. Oh, for sure. He was, you know, he was like a, a mission president, stake pre- all all the president shit. And he will just blatantly lie, you know, to to make something. It's for the greater good, Charlie. Right, like lying for the Lord right. or, you know, we, we right. know how that goes. And, and it's just how easily the lies come, how easily, which is difficult for me. You know, the the telling a story that I know, I'm like, eh, it's not really how it went down, but it makes Mormonism look like the correct, um, the one, one true. true church. Yeah, that's, that's right. trippy for me. Right. And along those same lines, right. I have a brother who's super smart. He's a doctor. He went to school forever. Super smart dude. And I want to be like, how the fuck are you still a Mormon? Why didn't his shelf break a long time ago? Why haven't you looked? You studied all these books to be a doctor, yet you, your entire life, 10% of all your fucking money, which is a lot, you're just like blinders, blinders, blinders. Yeah. But what are you going to do? No no one can be talked into looking. They have to decide, ah, I want to look around. Well, sometimes it's just easier. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's easier to live in that world. Mm-hmm. It's easier to not ruffle any feathers to upset your family, your friends, mm-hmm. your neighborhood, the people you work for or with. Yeah. You just do it. You know, I asked my dad that. He passed a couple of years ago, but one night my sister and my brother, my little brother who's uh, left the faith and my older sister who left the faith, I have many who are still in it. But one day we just got drunk and we called my dad <laughs> and we're just like, dad, why do you believe this? Like, why do you believe it? Come on, you're you're smart. And my dad was never fully 100%, but he went all the time. Mm-hmm. And he just said, you know, it's just what you do. You know, it's just what you do. Mm. You just do it. Just I, you just you do, do it. And that's what he did when he was a kid. And, you know, he was 60-something years old. What's he going to do? Yeah. Start, you know, start drinking beer and not going to church where it's the only people he really knows yeah. and sees. It's just kind of what you do. And it's easier to it's easier to live that than it is to face up to the reality and try and do something different. Mm-hmm. Change is scary. It's pretty it good trap scary. there. I would say mainstream Mormonism isn't that much different than... Uh, fundamentalist Mormonism, it's just kind of a different breed of entrapment, you know? Fewer wives. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the downfalls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speak for yourself. Wait a minute. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, that sounds good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Shelly, this sounds like a good time for a break. I agree. We'll be right back. And we're back. I'm curious as to who uh, who else you've had on your podcast that's um, was probably in the cult. In you know, a cult. listen from the beginning, Shelly, and I, you will I know. know. She I always know. tells our listeners, listen from the beginning. I know. Well, you don't. You know, the, the episode you listened to was our first one, mm-hmm. and it was a good episode. We've kind of a little bit more found our rhythm in the last few episodes. Yeah. We've now done 15. But I mean, you know, cults are interesting and unique, and cultic behaviors are fascinating to me because. It's surprising how people can be easily manipulated into cults. Mm -hmm. We as humans like to be told what to do. We like others who think the same way we do. And there are usually charismatic and egomaniacal leaders Mm -hmm. who can easily betray or, or sway you into slowly believing what they believe. It doesn't take much. And we're seeing more cults now than ever. In today's world, it's not just the 60s and 70s with Moonies walking around with shaved heads. Mm -hmm. Cults are in so many places. And we have to be, uh, we have to be a little leery of the word cult. I think it can be underused and at the same time overused. Sure. 
you know, people can flippantly go like, oh, you're in the cult of Apple or, oh, you're in CrossFit. <laughs> you're in a cult. I was. <laughs> but cults are dangerous. Yeah. I fully believe, and it's only been the last maybe year, year and a half, when I've embraced the C word for the Mormon church. Right. I just thought it was a church, and it wasn't my kind of thing. It wasn't for me. But the more you look at it, the more you realize, yeah, there are many cultic behaviors mm -hmm. and systems within the Mormon faith, and they're there for a reason. So on our show, we kind of break down what it is to join a cult. We talk to people who got into cults mm -hmm. and what it took, and that slow manipulation into a cult— and then leaving it and then one day realizing, my God, I'm in a cult and I need to get out. Mm -hmm. But not only do I need to get out, I need to leave that cult in my mind. And that's the hardest part. Uh, what we're seeing in today's world are cults that are different than cults we used to see. It used to be that you had to go to a commune or a church or a place to be in a cult. Nowadays, you can be in a cult without ever meeting any of the other members. Mm -hmm. And a cult used to have a leader. Now it can just be the ideology. Yeah. And we're seeing that a lot with, you know, Q, people who join Q, mm -hmm. and they, they, they just will believe whatever is thrown towards them, and they have a hard time getting out of it. So I am fascinated with cults. I think it was part of my upbringing, and I think it's difficult in admitting the Mormon church is a cult. It was so hard for me, and it's still, for me to say that is really hard, mm -hmm. and it's, it's hard for people to admit they were in a cult. If we all said, I joined a cult, and if we said, I was in a cult, people might not be so willing to join them. Yeah. But it's hard for me to say that it was a cult because I got my mom still in it. Yeah, well, right. You know, my sisters are still in it. And and what do you do if my sisters were in Scientology? I'd probably fight tooth and nail to get them out. Right. But it's hard for me to do that as a Mormon or lapsed Mormon. Don't you also think there's a level of shame involved? Like, how could I have been deceived in that way? What is wrong with me that I went along with it for so long? Why didn't I recognize it? Right. And I, and I think that's part of what we're trying to do with the show is to say that cults are everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the thing about individuals who join cults, there are people who are born into cults, but by and large, there are individuals who join cults. And the common denominator among these individuals is that they are idealists. They're not glassy-eyed. They're not sheep. By and large, they want to be better. You know, they, they want to be in better shape. They want to be better actors. They want to be rich. They want to go to heaven. They want to um, they want to make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, Tyler. Too, too soon. soon. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's actually kind of what you know. We have see these MAGA cults, yeah. and we see these Q. They that's what they want. They genuinely want that, and they genuinely think that's what they're getting. You know, we did an episode that's coming out soon on MLMs. Mm. A woman who joined Lula Row, mm -hmm. and that is unquestionably, undeniably cults. Mm -hmm. That is utopian lifestyle of if you join this and sell this and give us your money and live this world and wear these clothes and sell these things and pass this on to your neighbors, friends, family, you will be rich. And you know what? You fucking won't. You won't. Mm. MLMs are cons. They are the worst cons in our society, and they are just out and active in the world. 99% of people who join MLMs lose money. And it's just across the board. They're cults. And so many people will do them, especially in Utah, and they won't come out and say, I was a cult. Mm -hmm. They won't say, I was a cult, because it was, you know, who wants to be known and labeled as somebody who joined a cult? Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of destigmatize this world of cults and not make people believe that you're an idiot. You actually wanted to do something better. People who join MLMs, they want to make money, they want to be comfortable for their family, and that's okay. But you can be manipulated. For yeah. sure. I remember 
the day. I had been out of the church for probably a couple of years. And I remember the day that I said out loud, like, oh my God, this is my story. I was raised in a cult. Mm -hmm. It suddenly had this meaning of like, holy shit. It wasn't just, I left the church. It was, I was raised in a cult, which had such a huge, profound effect on me um, to actually recognize what a big deal that is. And then, of course, the deep dive into it and the podcast and everything. Just say it out loud and believe it was like crazy. It was yeah. crazy in my head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's, it's hard. It's hard to admit mm -hmm. that. It's hard to acknowledge it. But I was in a cult. I mean, I was mm -hmm. in a cult. And I'm grateful every day, either overtly or invertly, that I'm no longer in it. I'm so thankful that I don't have to live under those guidelines, um, live that fantasy, or just live a standard that I innately wasn't able to do. I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. I wasn't, right. yeah. I just couldn't do it. I wasn't happy. But a lot of people aren't happy and then they stay in it because they think they're supposed to or their family expects them to or their community expects them to or what have you. Well, they're just not trying hard enough. That was my thing. <laughs> when I was when I felt like I just couldn't keep up with the Smiths next door, you know, or if I was having It's the Joneses. The jo I know. Okay. I, I use the Smiths because Joseph, the Youngs, whatever, it doesn't matter. The right? Youngs. Uh, the, the Nelsons, well, fuck. I mean the Hinkleys, I don't care. Um I I, I do. I suffer with depression and anxiety. Um, didn't realize that growing up. And then if I had a few days of depression in my life, also seven fucking kids, callings in the ward, like the whole thing. When I felt overwhelmed or down or sad or anything, it was because I needed to try harder. I needed to read my scriptures more. Right. There must be something right. in my life that I hadn't repented of. This is kind of creepy, but I, as like a 40-something-year-old would go into my bishop and be like, okay, there, oh gosh, there might've been this one guy that we did some Levi loving and maybe I didn't bring that up back in my twenties, like, because I was grasping for anything because it wasn't because the church wasn't true. It was because I right. had sin. Right. And that fucks with people hard. Of course it does. And that's cult tactics is to blame mm -hmm. you, is to say that it's your fault, not the leader, not the organization, yeah. not the entity. It's your fault and not, you're not doing enough. Yep. And you you internalize that. And, mm -hmm. and that was me too. I couldn't live in the guilt enough. You know, yeah. I'm drinking a coffee right now and I, I, <gasps> I fucking love it. Like, I love coffee. Aww. You're it's such so an great. apostate. It's just fine. You know what I mean? Coffee is fine. It's healthy. It's okay in moderation. It's all right. And I did not want to feel guilty for drinking something that really isn't that bad. It's also in a, in a Guinness know, mug, a Guinness so I'm mug. suggesting that might uh, not. <laughs> and that's fine. There's nothing bad about that either. That's funny that Guinness makes coffee mugs. Hmm. <laughs> well. Why not? Why not? Coffee's, coffee stout, right? Yeah, advertising that's anywhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just grateful that I'm no longer in it. And, I'm, and maybe it's just the lens by which I'm seeing, but I do see a lot of individuals leaving the faith and recognizing yeah. and realizing that I can leave and it's okay and I can be a better person. And I think innately what happens when you do leave the faith, and it, it happened for me, is you go through an extreme, you know, you go in many ways the other way and you drink a lot. And I know I did. I drank, I did drugs, I fucked around, I had a great time. And then I realized like, I don't want to be this way either. You know, I yeah. went that extreme, I'm going to come back to the middle ground and feel better about it and feel okay mm -hmm. and make my own decisions. It's kind of like going through adolescence, but late. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you see that. You see that with a lot of post-Mormons. They actually, Mm -hmm. you know, drink and don't know how to drink. And they're, you know, they're 43 years old and they don't know how to mix a drink and they get drunk and they drink really bad sugary wines or whatever. That's me in college. I did all that in college. Right. Throwing up in public bathrooms and yeah, it's 40 years old, been there. I know. Yeah. We were robbed of that, of the ability to be um, irresponsible and have people be like, well, yeah, you were not able to be a rebellious teenager or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. We also find, of course, most of our listeners, I would say, are ex-Mormon and we get the ones typically that haven't processed anything. They don't realize how much of a mess their head is because of what they've gone through. And then as we do our podcast and, you know, I talk about some things I've been through and we bring things up and people are like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't even realize I was so broken in that aspect. And um, just being able to dig through that. There's a lot when you are raised in a cult. First of all, no one's broken. I don't mean broken, you know, like fucked up. I don't know. Sure, or just still like processing or realizing a, Shit going that on. I have PTSD, right. or I'm triggering over listening to your this episode. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Yeah, no, of course it is. Of course it is. And one thing that is also common among many of the people that we have on our show who are in cults is they all need therapy. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them say, I, I needed someone to help me. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the limitations with being in the Mormon faith. When I left... I actually, I left, I tried to get back in. I started going to a singles ward. And one day I was feeling guilty for the many sins that I've done. And I went in and I talked to the bishop. I'll be quick about this. But I went in and talked to the bishop and I regaled him with my laundry list of sins and how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I went on this long adult rant about all the things I'd done. And I could just see, and I still, I still see his face just going, you know, he didn't know how to respond. Yep. He didn't know what to say. And right then it occurred to me, why am I telling my problems to a fucking dentist? Because mm-hmm. really, that's what he was. He was a dentist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was a dentist who yeah. was a, called to be a bishop for a singles ward. And he probably uh-huh. dealt with kids who were heavy petting or watching R-rated movies. And I uh-huh. genuinely was feeling bad about the place I was in. And I needed help. And I needed someone to talk to me. And I needed someone to listen to me. And he just he was just overwhelmed with my problems. And then he just goes... Have you tried reading the scriptures and praying? <laughs> and that was his advice. Yeah. And I just thought, my God, I, you yeah. know. And then he said, we're going to have to get a court together to see if you should still be in the church. And I I left. Oh I, I, I left. You. I walked out. And I've, I've never been to a church again yeah. other than like, you know, a funeral or whatever. But it, it yeah. was that moment when I just thought, if I'm really feeling sad and I'm really hurting and I don't feel good about who I am, A, I need to work on it myself. Or B, I need a, someone who is trained Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In dealing with these. And you yeah. see that with people who go to their bishop because they're having relationships problems. Well, he's not a, he's not, he can't help you with relationship problems. No. And you no. see these young girls yeah. who go in and talk about, you know, these sexual problems that they have. Oof. They're talking to a 45 year old man who has no, zero training in that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, and it causes harm. And so when people leave these cults, what they do is they go see a licensed, genuine therapist who is mm-hmm. trained in dealing with this and mm-hmm. works with you to figure yeah. out your issues and your problems uh, so you can come out the other side, which doesn't happen in one session. Right. And it doesn't happen if you read the scriptures and pray. <laughs> no. It takes more than that. Yeah. So that's one thing that has really helped me is yeah. seeing therapy and going to a therapist. Absolutely. It's also super fun to go to a therapist that um, isn't 
all the way familiar with Mormonism and start talking about your life and watch their faces. Right. I got to do that with my first therapist. She was like, oh, wait, wait, what? No, 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 no. No, that's spiritual abuse. I kept hearing spiritual abuse over and over, and I had never heard of it in my life. Yeah. So that's one bonus of leaving and going and to you therapy. Get to you learn get to... some fun terms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, the only advice that Bishop should have been giving is, do I do traditional braces or Invisalign? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Let me pray like, about it. Stay in exactly. your lane, yes, buddy. Stay in your <laughs> yeah, uh, rinse, rinse and spit is what he should have given me. <laughs> rinse and spit, absolutely. But, you know, there, there is something, and I tend to talk a lot about the negatives of being raised as a, as a member of the Mormon faith. And there's a lot of benefits. There really are. We were raised, and I think one thing that is great about the Mormon faith is they do appreciate art. They kind of appreciate music and poetry and acting and art and filmmaking. And they, they're very actually, they embrace that in some ways. And you're kind of given this power. You know, you're told you're great. You are told when you are raised in this faith, and that is cult tactic, you know, 101 mm-hmm. as well. Um, you are the best. This group is the best. We are the only ones. Everyone else is bad. Everyone else is terrible. And everyone, and that's a horrible thing to do because you look at other people poorly. Yep. You look at them as, I have the keys to the kingdom and they don't. And I either need to convert them and make them better and make them much like me or don't associate with them. And leaving the faith was the best thing for me to actually look at someone else who wasn't Mormon and go, oh, you're just a normal dude. You know, you're just yeah. a good guy or a bad guy who's having his own issues. And you're not going to hell, and that's okay. But having that feeling of power imbued within you is kind of an interesting way to be raised. And I think if you carry that with you and go, you know what, I am powerful. I do have something great to share, and I am good at what I am, and I'm a good person, and I can help people. I can do it in my own way. And if you carry that with you as you leave the faith, you know, I think it's helpful to just make yourself better, but others better. Mm-hmm. And we see that a lot with people who leave the faith. They're willing to help, and they want to do things that are right, and they want to be better. So anyways, I, I do think there's some uh, advantages to having been raised as a Mormon, in addition to the many disadvantages. It helps if you have the priesthood. That's true. Yeah, I had the that priesthood. That is your power. Yeah, I had the <laughs> yeah. magic power. You guys didn't have it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. So you might not struggle with feeling good enough, but a lot of people do. So yeah. that's that's a problem. At least you had that magical shit going on. <laughs> I did. Oh yeah. I could turn water into wine. Oh yeah. yeah did you know your you priesthood lineage? I mean, that's that's pretty important. I did at some um, point. Yeah. I, I knew all that, but I don't <laughs> know mm-hmm. now. No. No. Well, now, it's all make believe. Now I, mean, I yeah. just turn wine into pee. That's my that's, that's quite my a party miracle. Trick. Wow. <laughs> really Come is. to my wedding. It takes an hour or so, <laughs> but it's worth it. Totally worth it. Shit, Mary. <laughs> you know, a lot of our listeners struggle with uh leaving yet having family members who are still a hundred percent enmeshed in the church. This sounds like maybe you have dealt with this. What is what is your secret for dealing with family members still in? You know, it took a while for my parents to acknowledge that I was in the faith. My my little brother uh, left. Uh, he left the church earlier than I did. He's gay and came out even in high school. So kudos to him. him and uh, coming yeah. out in Pleasant Grove, Utah. 
Um, so that was a little easier. He kind of softened the blow, if you will, for me. Mm-hmm. I remember it, one day my father, and I love my father. He was a, such a good, good, good man. But one day he actually kind of had this heart to heart with me in the garage. And he was like, you know better, Tyler. You need to, you need to, you went on a mission. You should do better. You know, you know, you need to start living, you know, the, the faith. And I remember this was my moment and I kind of prepared for it. And I just said, dad, you know, you think I've left the church just so that I can, you know, fuck around and touch boobies and, you know, drink beer. And it's not. (laughs) I said, this has been a very difficult decision. This has tried me for a year or more of trying to figure it out, of wrestling with myself, with my God, with my family, with my community, with, with everything, trying to figure out if this is right or wrong. And I said, Dad, I probably have done more research on should I stay in the church and be a part of this church than you have, because mm-hmm. he was born into it you know, and stayed yeah. in it. And I just said, this is a decision I made, and it wasn't an easy one. And I need you to trust that I made the right decision and that I did it, and, you know, not flippantly. I didn't flippantly yeah. leave. And he was right. He, he recognized it. And he actually yeah. said, I get it. I get it. Wow. And so I just had a mature conversation with him and just said, trust me, you know, just trust yeah. me. I'm okay. Yeah. And I'm yeah. fine. And you know what? I'm happy. I'm yeah. genuinely happy. And I know that misery, what is it? Sinning never... Wickedness, wickedness was never happiness. Was never happiness. And they say that, but but I'm, I just state to him, I'm, 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 I'm happy and I'm okay. You're fake happy. That's what I was always told. Like, this is, you think you're happy, but this isn't the true joy of being on the covenant path, you know? Right. I really hope that my parents believe me and, and see me being happy and enjoying life. I mean, I, but I can't force it on them. No. And good for you for having the conversation. I could never have that with my dad because he would just say, you know it's true. I know it's true. You should do what your father tells you. He's more of a I'll tell you if it's true or not, and because I say it is true, you need to get your ass back in. But yeah, yeah. and I don't, I don't think that it, I don't think you can say you're in something wrong. I don't mm-hmm. think you can say you're in something wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. Yeah. You just gotta speak for yourself. Yeah, and just say yeah. you know what, it, it works for me. It genuinely mm-hmm. works for me. And I'm, I've been on both sides, Dad. I've been, I went on a mission. Mm-hmm. I tried. I really mm-hmm. tried. I tried like hell to be good. I couldn't do it. I'm much more comfortable now. Well, your dad can come visit you in the terrestrial or terrestrial kingdom. (laughs) That'll be nice. Uh, Telestial? That'll be nice. Celestial? I don't know. I can never pronounce them correctly. I don't know. Here we are arguing (laughs) over bullshit again. Uh Uh, Let's take another quick break. Pay more bills. We'll wrap this up. So when you had that faith crisis and found out that the book of Abraham was, I don't know, a bunch of bunk or something that you hadn't thought that it was, how long after that did it take you to actually leave the church? Like leave, leave. Well, I was still, I was kind of sitting on the fence at that point anyways. You know, I I just wasn't living it. I wasn't going. It wasn't really for me and I wasn't comfortable in it. So I'd kind of left, but I'd still had it in my mind as it's okay, and it's just a church. It just is hard for me to do it. But when I read that, and then when I looked more into the history, that's when I realized that not only is it, you know, not just a church that I don't fit in, but it's a genuinely incorrect doctrine full of mm-hmm. horrific history of yeah. deceit and lies and misogyny and abject racism. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot, and I still don't understand how anyone can justify polygamy. 
in my mind. I can't. And yeah. I've heard the excuses. I've heard, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't really practice polygamy and it wasn't. They just did it. They just married and they didn't have sex. And I've heard there were too many women and not, mm-hmm. not enough men. And <laughs> All bullshit. I've heard all that. And it's, it's bullshit. It's, it's bullshit. bullshit. Your leader, your founder, the man you revere as a man of God, had 27 fucking wives. And mm-hmm. there is no need for 27 wives. There is zero mm-hmm. need for you to marry that many women or multiple mm-hmm. women. There just isn't. There's yeah. no need for it. And it's especially it, it's young just, women. And young women. Children, basically. And and being able to do the the gymnastic somersaults of justification over that. If there was a leader of a church right now who had 27 wives, who burned printing presses, who had his own <laughs> militia, you know, who had their own city. You'd think fucking cult. That's a cult. There is a cult yeah. down the street. Look, yeah. I spent many years in numerous... I lived the world of the FLDS. I was in yes. that world. I studied at Moreland, you'd ever even imagine. And there is nothing that Warren Jeffs, the leader of the FLDS church, did that Joseph Smith didn't do before him. Absolutely. And that was a goddamn cult. And so mm-hmm. is Joseph Smith's church. And they have a statue of him. They sing praise to the man, to a yep. human being who had sex with a 13-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And how you can justify that and remedy that, I don't know. And you know, and, and if there was a man who had 27 wives and he owned a grocery store down the street, they wouldn't go to it. They'd say, you're supporting <laughs> right. a cult. You're supporting someone bad, but yet they give 10% of their money to this, this faith. The racism as well just mm-hmm. astounds me. The things that Joseph Smith— Actually, Joseph Smith wasn't that bad, to be honest with you. But the things that Brigham Young has said about oh, black yeah. people mm-hmm. is— horrific. The fact Mm -hmm. that a university bears his name and he has said awful things about black people. Yep. And I know it was a different time, et cetera, et cetera. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit either. There are plenty of people who didn't say the horrible things that he said about black people. If he truly was a man of God, you think God would be like, hey, Brigham, let's let's nix yeah. the racist shit. It's yeah. not cool. Yeah. Um, but if God's just going to let all that go and let let the uh, polygamy go. Because whites were the supreme race, Shelley. Yeah. Didn't you know? Right, right men. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, oh, yeah, I men. forgot that part. Forgot that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because God's an asshole, clearly. And I would also <laughs> say real quick, I bet you could not find one current Mormon who does not think that the FLDS church is a cult. Oh, Like, they absolutely. would agree, oh, yeah, of they're course. a cult. It's like, you're the same fucking cult. You're right. just— Watered you're just, down. Yeah, you're yeah. slightly—the beliefs are still the same. You know, it's the same beliefs as the church started with. You don't—you just don't all live in a commune. But you will when you go to Missouri for Jesus, I would say. Yeah. Well, as you, as you said, that first episode we did on the Mormon woman, she was in a small mm-hmm. polygamist group in central Utah— mm-hmm. And they believed they were just, they just adhered to the early Mormonism yep. statutes. Yeah. The laws that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young put into Mormonism, and they were a cult. None of the offshoots of Mormonism make up their own shit. It all just goes yeah. back to the origins of Mormonism. Right. So it's a cult, and I'm out of it. Cheers to that. And I'm grateful that people are, and they recognize it. And I'm grateful that people are starting to say I was in a cult. That people are saying MLMs are cults and that mm-hmm. Scientology is a cult and Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult and you know, Q is a cult. And so many of these entities are cults. And I mm-hmm. got suckered into it. And what we need to do as humans is empathize 
and sympathize and say, I'm sorry that happened and not look at them and say, you were in a cult. You're an idiot. Right. Because we're all vulnerable. It's possible that all of us could join a cult. And if you think Mm -hmm. you can't, well, you're wrong. You could. We all could under the right circumstances, the right time, the right place, the right person, the right dreams and utopian lifestyle that is presented to you. You sure. could be in a cult. No cults start off with, um, hey, join us. You're going to be miserable. We're going to take your money. We're going to take everything you have. But you get a planet. Gonna suck. They don't even tell you that <laughs> they stuff. Don't tell you, what the you know what I mean? Like right. the presentation has to be um, families are forever, right? right. I mean, that's you got to start off with something that everybody Oh, yeah. Wants. You got to dangle the carrot. Yeah. Milk before meat. I mean, that is that, a common yes. Mormon phrase. Yeah. Yep. You know, nobody joins a cult. No one joins the cult. Nobody's going to say, hey, you know, come live in this weird commune and ultimately you're going to have to have sex with the 45-year-old leader when you're mm-hmm. 17 years old and give us all your money. Nobody nobody joins a cult. You get manipulated into one. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because you have ambitions and dreams and you're a type A personality who wants to do something with his or herself. Mm-hmm. One of the episodes, we have um, an acting class that turns into a cult. An acting wow. class. Really? And, wow. and why not? Young, ambitious, willing actors come to Hollywood. They sign up for an acting class. And this woman who leads the class slowly manipulates them into thinking, I'm the only one that can help you. Stay here. Give me all your money. And then she becomes a, a life coach. And then she becomes a guru. And then they give up their dreams and they stay with her. And why not? They're ambitious. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially actors who are taught to be directable, if you will. I have an amazing question. I have to say this. Do you think that the leaders of the cults know that they're leading a cult and are truly trying to pull one over on the people? Or do they really think that they are the one true? Like like the acting lady. By and large, cult leaders, first and foremost, they're, they're arrogant. They have egos. Yeah. And I think many of them start out fully saying, uh, this is a con, this is a scam, and I'm going to try mm. and make money this way. Mm-hmm. I do think eventually they start to buy their own bullshit. They start to yeah. believe it. And if you surround yourself enough with individuals who praise you and tell you that you're great and say that you're imbued with a certain power and gift, then, of course, you start to believe it as well. Mm-hmm. So one of the episodes we did is Keith Ranieri and Nexium. Mm-hmm. He started... Nexium full on as a money making enterprise in order mm-hmm. to, you know, capitalize on the vulnerabilities of individuals. Yeah. Full on knew it was a scam. Wow. And then he just kept getting farther and farther along and farther and deeper, deeper. So I I, I think, you know, that's the same question. Does Joseph Smith know he was full of shit? No. Probably. I, I mean, no. I don't, I think <laughs> initially he he thought he was pulling a con. I think he's the greatest right. con man of the 20th. Of, of all of American history, to be honest. He's genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant Depression. in his connery, mm-hmm. in his flim flammery. He's remarkable. But I think eventually he started to believe, yeah, I yeah. do talk to God and God has chosen me. And frankly, if there is a God, he did chose him. He is the Michael Jordan of con man. He is the greatest <laughs> fucking con man of all time. And there is something special and divine about him, if nothing else, misgiven and misguided. It's kind of sad to think that there's a God out there that would choose a con man to take people's money and get them to do whatever they want. I mean, Sign me up for that God. I'm going to start worshiping right. money him. Money and sex. <laughs> money, sex, and power. You know, uh-huh. it's what drives humans. And That's unfortunately, crazy. many times you have to utilize the toils and the spoils 
and the vulnerabilities of others to attain that. And yeah. that is the same if you are a church or you are the head of a business. Many times you have to take advantage of those willing to be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. hoping to serve the greater good. Yeah. What's the uh, strangest cult you have encountered so far by doing your podcast? Oh, there's some that we haven't done episodes on. And I mean, I we had one guy reach out and say that Enterprise Rent-A-Car is a cult. Oh, shit. Because of just the inner workings of it and the... Wow. Well, they'll pick you up. <laughs> That's right. Thank you That's above right. and beyond. I got to tell you, I do love my Enterprise Miles, my, my right? number. And that's actually something interesting. And, and you know, our, our podcast is called Was I in a Cult? Mm-hmm. Not I Was in a Cult. Because we do lay it out. Is this a cult? Is mm-hmm. CrossFit a cult? Which we haven't done. And look, I was in CrossFit for many years. Mm-hmm. I was in good shape. I wouldn't say it's a cult. But, you know, th- there are entities that you could sit on the fence and say, you know what? It's a church. It's an mm-hmm. acting class. It's not really a cult. Um, and one man's cult is another man's writing group, I suppose. But we cover a lot of really, really, really crazy cults. The next one we have is MLMs. We have one about a black Israelite cult. Black Israelite cult. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a belief that black people are the tribe of uh, Ephraim because uh-huh. they were cursed. They've been cursed more than any other nationality. So they have to be the tribe of Ephraim. Therefore, they are the true tribe that is going to be lifted up into heaven at some point. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy and interesting beliefs by interesting leaders who justify and um, manipulate the Bible for their own good and known purposes to justify their own crazy beliefs. My patriarchal blessing says that I am from the tribe of Ephraim, so... I see. I get it. (laughs) You're one of the gifted ones. Yes, I am. (laughs) Hmm, interesting. Yeah, patriarchal blessings are silly, aren't they? They're like so... A, it's like a seer. And really, that's another so one. It's just mm-hmm. a dude. It's just a guy. Fucking it's just a guy. A dentist. A, it's a fucking accountant. <laughs> who you go to his house, and he puts his hands on your head, and he tells you the future. And he's just yeah. copying and pasting it from other you know, oh, patriarchal yeah. blessings. That's why they say For don't sure. show them to anybody. That's exactly right. Because they're just... The same things, the same rehash, this is going to happen, and if you obey these commandments, you'll be bathed in mm-hmm. glory or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So We actually ha- did a, an episode on patriarchal blessings, and we had listeners send theirs in, people mm-hmm. who were like, yeah, read it. And we did find two patriarchal blessings within the same stake, I want to say, where the last paragraph was almost word for word. So I'm thinking about receiving the white stone and some other shit. Oh, yeah, there was a white stone. I'm not sure what that referred mm-hmm. to. It was now. awesome. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah I it was fun it. to tell them. Yeah, so good. I know the church is true. It's no, about a no, white I stone. Don't. Yeah, yeah. it's no. good shit right there. No. <laughs> yeah, it is part of our past. It is part of my yep. past. I mean, my partner, Diana, she is so tired of hearing about Mormonism and my world mm-hmm. of it and living in it. And she moved from New York City to Utah to be with me. We met on the film festival circuit. Oh. And she just couldn't, you know, she she didn't understand this world that is all-encompassing and is a part of who we are. Yeah. She said that, you know, what's interesting is that within meeting someone in in Utah— it was within five minutes when you had to suss out and talk about whether you were Mormon or not Mormon. And if you weren't, you had to kind of give your deconversion story within mm-hmm. the first five minutes. Yep. And I've always said, Utahns and Salt Lake City especially, they're either trying to prove how Mormon they are or how not Mormon they are. 
Yes. And there's yeah. this interesting <laughs> culture and dichotomy within the two. I am no longer, I no longer live in Salt Lake. I moved to LA now, but six months ago. So mm -hmm. um, we don't have to deal with it as much, but I still make it part of my my world in many ways. Mm -hmm. Oh, she can spot them. She can, oh, we my... can be like at a, a DC hotel and she's like, oh, that elevator operator over there is totally Mormon. I'm like, and he was. I'm yeah. like, you just know there's something. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just the garment line because, you know, dudes can wear a t-shirt under their shirt. Yeah. That's no big deal. I don't know how he ended up revealing that to us. He said something about Salt Lake. I don't even know why we we're chatting with him. I was like, boom. I said, are you Mormon? Because I already had the premonition. I Maybe I do have some priesthood. <laughs> she felt the spirit. <laughs> felt spirit. And I asked, he's like, yes. And I go, I knew it. I knew it. I think it was the weird kind of white shirt and tie. Like there's yeah. fancy, good looking white shirts and ties. And then there's like frumpy Mormon ones. And so I was like, oh, I could tell just by looking at you. He goes, well, you know, I, I did just come from church. I was assigned to give the talk. I'm like, I fucking knew it. Mary <laughs> yeah. was so impressed. We probably had sex that night because it was we? so impressive. Wow. So I was yeah. impressed. That's all it takes, know. huh? It's really, you it's know, spotting superpower. Mormons is not really an aphrodisiac for me, it turns out. <laughs> God damn it. The one thing huh. I'm fucking amazing at. Okay. Can't That's even funny. use my superpower for sex. Oh, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe on that note, <laughs> we should talk about Tyler's sex life. Oh, just kidding. Yeah, do it. Just kidding. I'll just show you pictures. <laughs> we found them on the website. It's on the, yeah, on the, on the dark they're, web. They're good. Yeah, they're good. We they're did. We yeah, did. They're well lit. I will say that. They're, I do <laughs> lighting, well, lighting is everything. You, it really does You help. know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> you know your way around a camera and maybe a light or two. And I'm action. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. She's always wanted to say that. I, I felt mm -hmm. really good. You did to me. that. Yeah, you were, that worked well. I think you. Yeah, you could, thank you. you could pull it off. Yeah. That's all. It, really, all uh -huh. it is is just yelling <laughs> action and doing this with your fingers. Oh. You know, holding it up and like framing mm -hmm. a shot with your fingers. That's okay. really all directing is. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, shit. This doesn't work out. I I know my second. Well, I'll be like my fifth career at this point. So um, she yeah. is collecting them. I'm collecting careers. <laughs> I guess we're coming up here on an hour. Have we missed anything that you wanted to say here today? I mean, I you know we. We made some jokes. We talked about fucking Mormonism. I plugged mm -hmm. my podcast and my movies. Like, let's have you plug again, like all in one chunk. Websites, everything. Like, give a give one more really really good plug. Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, right now I I love this podcast. I love doing it. It is a blast. It is so much fun to explore and examine individuals who leave cults and are in them and tell their heartfelt stories. And typically, what we do is we interview someone for like four or five hours. And then mm -hmm. I will literally edit that down into a 40-minute compressible, interesting story. And for someone who has made big, huge movies and has dealt with studios and Netflix and cameras and trucks and locations and budgets and money, it's been really refreshing for me to just tell a, a story, just one person's yeah. simple story in audio form, as simple and as wonderful as possible. I'm a Beatles fan. I'm fascinated with the Beatles breakup, and I've been really on this kick of when Paul McCartney left the Beatles. He was really didn't know what to do and a little bit concerned, a little bit worried, and a little bit tired. And look, the mm -hmm. Beatles played these huge, they had huge empire of music, and they played with orchestras, and they made big music. And what Paul did is he just gave it all up. He went to this shitty little farm in Scotland, and he made an album all by himself. Just mm -hmm. him, and literally all by himself played guitar, he played drums, he did vocals, he did everything just by himself, and he made this little wonderful album called McCartney. And after making Murder Among the Mormons, you know, after you do a, a movie, 
I was with Murder Among the Mormons for three and a half years of my life. I was obsessed about making that and just working like mad to get this film sold and completed and finished and on the air. And then there's this unbelievable letdown. There's this period of it's released. Everyone in the world watches it. Everyone talks about it. Everyone thinks it's great. And then eventually it's just on the clearance racket, blockbuster video. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's depressing and it's hard. And as an artist, you got to go, I, what am I going to do next? And how am I going to live up to that potential? And I just said, I'm just going to go the other way. I'm just going to McCartney it. And I'm going to do mm -hmm. a little podcast that just deals with telling one person's story, each person, simple. The quick, simple elements of storytelling. And that's what I've done. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love telling people stories. And I love that not only do we tell individual stories, but people write us and say, you've changed my life. You've made mm -hmm. me recognize and realize that I was in a cult. You made me realize that I was in a relationship that had cult-like behaviors, that I was working for a job that had cult-like behaviors. And now I've, I've left and I'm better. And that makes me happy. You know, and that's yeah. the little bit of Mormonism in me that I still need to try and in some ways convert people. I need to open their eyes. I need to make them realize that you can be a better person. And it may not be because you go to church and you take the sacrament. It may just be because you recognize that you have the power within you to be better. And so I do that through storytelling. And it makes me incredibly happy. I love that. It's amazing. You, you do it beautifully. Thanks. You really do. Thanks. And I'm yeah. not just trying to get in your pants. I am a lesbian. Um, but you do it beautifully. You're you welcome. Really do. You're welcome in. Uh -huh. <laughs> You're welcome in. They're loose. So there's uh, lots of room in there. Loose days. Yeah, sweatpants. Uh, I feel you. I get it. Yeah, yeah it's COVID time. You got to wear those sweats. <laughs> Party on the bottom, business up top. Isn't That's that right. kind of how that I'm goes? I'm not wearing pants at all. <laughs> Optional. <laughs> That's hilarious. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your passion for this podcast and everything else that you're doing. No, awesome. thank you. And thank you guys for doing your show as well. I think without question, your show is likely helping others deal with their own past and their own issues that they're in the middle of. So thank yes. you for doing it. Thank you yes, so much. Really. Everybody check out, was I in a cult? And you got to say it like that with that lilt at the end on your favorite podcast player. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. And check out his documentaries, movies, and things. Seriously. I know. You are mm -hmm. you got a lot going on, Tyler. We thought he was just some rando, but apparently he's got some shit going on. So yeah. that's Random good. dude with a mic, huh? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> right, <Nope>. right. <laughs> no. Well, we appreciate you taking time uh, to talk to us today. So thanks, thanks again. Thank you, ladies. Keep it up. That was cool. Yeah, I know. Tyler and Liz are funny, and I really enjoy their podcast, so. Yeah, everyone should listen. Yep. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I think that our dog is chewing a bone right it now. It happens. Mm -hmm. Damn it, Domino. I'm not sure. That might not even come through on the microphone. Well, we can hear it, and it's irritating me, so let's get this all wrapped up, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> well, I guess we should thank Dan from Extension Audio. Thanks for leaving it in, Dan. Thank you, and everybody, please steer clear of those cults, because they are no joke. No joke at all. Talk to you later. Bye.